And welcome back to the News Boxing Podcast with me, Andy White. Take three. <laughs> <laughs> and those two miserable bastards are just fucking <laughs> right. piped up. No, no nerves. Actually, I say miserable. Martin's got a very cheerful... I've got my Christmas jumper on. That's I've been not, out for lunch. That's not quite as disgusting as they're supposed to be. I have to admit, that's that's reasonably stylish. That's yeah. Quite, yeah, Classy. very naughty. Yeah, but it's who's wearing it that makes it stylish. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing to do with the jumper, my friend. <laughs> On you, this would look terrible. I think I think Joe Gallagher's got one of those. <laughs> these aren't uh, got, got alsatians. Got one for his poodle, yeah. He, he matching yeah. matching Christmas jumpers with the poodle. <laughs> Why has it got a hole in it, Joe? <laughs> uh, so in the mouth. Have you two had interesting and fun weekends? Mate, I got I got ratted and missed my mate's engagement party. Ooh, I wasn't really engagement. I was at the engagement party, but this was like the the best men and bridesmaids and stuff get together. I don't know how this has happened, right? <laughs> I said to a friend, I was like, listen, I need to be at this thing for half nine. Yeah, so we can only have, yeah, you're like, we'll have three or four pints. We'll warm up. Yeah, you're civilized. I've done this before many times. So I get the tube and I'm like, right, now I'll go find where this place is. And I'm walking around for 40 minutes in like the same 100 square meter space. Like it has to be here because Google Maps is telling me. Can't find it. It's fucking freezing. And I'm getting to that point where I can feel the drink kicking in. <laughs> Yeah, battery's going low, drink, I mean, intoxication's going up. And then I was just like, shit, I need to go home. This is not a good situation. I'm I'm not going to find the answer just walking around. (laughs) (laughs) I've walked enough. Yeah, I've walked enough. I know I'm here somewhere. No battery to phone anyone. Sod this, home. So I mean, everyone's bad books. Yeah, no, no battery. What did you just leave? When did you leave home? How long did it take you to get there? And how much were you drinking on the way? Oh man, I, I just fuck. <laughs> yeah, fuck. All of those answers are lost. All right. Yeah, yeah it will all come back. Like over the next six months, little bits will start to fall back into place. <laughs> I mean, I still got PTSD at the moment. Okay, uh, if we have nothing interesting other than that to add, then we will move. Yeah, no, on. mine was fine, Andy. Cheers yeah, for asking. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it's it was fine. fine. <laughs> Paris, How was yours? Non-eventful. Okay. Okay, let's <coughs> move on to the boxing. Um, British Warrior, the British Warrior show on Friday. So this is kind of a, we're just n- nodding our head to this. Yeah, we'll touch upon it. It was meant to be broadcast on free, sport, free sports. Yeah. Uh, so the Dennis Hobson TV deal platform. And last minute it gets pulled. Um, so I think the key fight fell through. Although I was surprised no, the that the key st- fight was uh, Grant Dennis Elliott Matthews. That was a headline. I think it was another one that, that fell through. And then the sponsors pulled out. I don't know what happened, but there's a lot of behind-the-scenes shenanigans that happened that meant... In boxing? Yeah, wow. I know. So, 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 so they pulled it. I don't even think Free Sports said no. I think Free Sports would have carried it because there, there was enough. You know, Grant Dennis Elliott Matthews is a reasonable... English title fight. It's a it's... reasonable level fight. Um, I've heard rumours that Dennis likes to handpick opponents. Maybe he got caught out on this one. But the winner was going to fight Liam Cameron. So Dennis Hobson was down there with 
everyone's favorite Twitter assassin. Uh, big Russ was there as well. Um, Riku, yeah. So the, Shout so the, out to yeah, Russ and Riku. Yeah, so the gang was there yes, uh, on Friday. Um, they seem to have fun. I saw pictures with Dennis Andrews, who I have not seen for years. And he has like the biggest hands in the world. But but no, look, the, the, the sad thing about that fight was we didn't get to see Richard Riakpo, who I know we talk about cruiserweights a lot on this show. But for me... Reactor might be the dark horse of the of the four horsemen, and the four horsemen are Chris Bidham Smith, Isaac Chamberlain, Lawrence Coley, and Richard Reactor. Other guys who I look at as the, almost those young Turks. I know there are other young guys, but they've probably had more fights. But those four there look like they're going to be an interesting quartet. Um. So, have we got anything to say about this? No, I say sadly it wasn't broadcast, so didn't really get yeah, a chance. Unless to you were see there, it. you didn't really see it. <clears throat> but it's a shame because but it happened because Apparently. you've got a platform in free sports that's got viewership of about 2 million now um, that's across all sports so the football's drawing punters in so, so you, you imagine like six months ago they're probably pulling in 100,000 now people are aware of free sports it's a destination so you expect that to I mean, the rising tide to float all boats so that could be a good platform for young boxers to be on so it's a disappointment that it wasn't a showcase as Friday. It is. They need to build <clears throat> consistency around the sport. And, you know, having something pulled at the last minute doesn't benefit anybody in this scenario. Okay, move on to the Goodwin show, which we do have to talk about. We Just, do have it's a nod to it, really. It was a show that was a showcase for a lot of young talents. Um, so a lot of four-round fights with 20 bouts in total. Um, 20 bouts, so a good seven hours worth of entertainment for anyone that was there. Caught up with Paul Oltai when I was down there. Nice lad. I sat, uh, chatted with Matthew Chanda. Who's really Did Paul looking... Oltai have any questions for you while, while he had you in person? <laughs> no, yeah. with his missus as well. Lovely lady. Oh. Uh, but he has submitted a question anyway. But uh, yeah, lovely lad, uh, Paul Oltai. Caught up with Matthew Chanda. Um, smile on his face as always, Matthew. He's really looking forward to the 18th and the live show and coming along. Um, I hope he knows what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking forward to being part of that. So that's great. Uh, Linus Eudofia, who I was sat down at ringside with for quite a while, catching up with him. Who has um, a matching watch with Sam O'Reilly. As he I'm does. Uh, interesting fight potentially coming out of that. Um, Ooh. It was uh, Dalton Miller was fighting last night. And Dalton apparently like offered uh, Linus a fight kind of after Reed fought so uh, we'll see if that happens down the line Dalton's a kind of he went down a bit of a journeyman route and then he's kind of swerve it back so I think he fancies that fight to try and solidify himself a little bit um, otherwise it was I say mainly just a number of four rounders six rounders um, standouts uh, there were a handful uh, Bobby Woods I really like the look of um, Yusuf Kamari was really good um, <clears throat> name escapes me right now the the smallest boxer in Britain um, Reese Taylor I think it was um, 4 foot 11 super flyweight um, adult baby as Terry would say but I can't see him on the screen if I can't see you on the phone screen it doesn't count <laughs> but this lad 4 foot 11 and we're all sat there like fucking he's, he's tiny and he's fighting a young lad who's probably 5 and a half foot and Reese just lays heavy gloves on him for a little man it's like he just literally jumps at shots because he's he's so much smaller. Um, and he iced this kid, like, second round. Um, absolutely knocks him spark out. And we all sat there like, wow. And this kid was, like, really exciting to watch as well. Like, again, super flyweight. Not necessarily a division that we cover a lot, but this kid was brilliant. Really enjoyed watching him. Um, 
Spurs. But that way, he'll be fighting for a world title tomorrow anyway, right? Because <laughs> this is no one else. Um, K. Prosper, first round knockout was the, uh, the kind of headline of the, f- uh, the evening. Um, He's lost a lot of momentum, hasn't he? He has. He got injured after he lost to Rakim Noble. He broke his hand. He took about ah. a year out of the ring. Um, had a comeback fight recently, had that fight, and now he's potentially looking at English title fights next year. Good um, to have him back. Yeah, he's a nice lad, Kay, as well, catching up with him pre-fight. Um, so, yeah, just speaking with a lot of people, enjoying myself down there. Good few hours at York Hall is a pleasure. Um, so, yeah, good win uh, boxing show, and they'll be back in March next year. Don't forget to check out the summary on uhboxing.co.uk. Indeed, took me a long time to write that. You had a lot of time to do it. <laughs> Can I just touch on something before uh, Andy don't get annoyed? But I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm I, actually organising the rest of the podcast as we go along. Brilliant, right? So you Makes got you, you got a few minutes. Look, so I missed the interview with Isaac last week, and when so once it came out, the the the, the phone went up a few degrees in temperature. So I think <laughs> so I think so I think it was on to you, Terry. The whole world and their dog. Really, but I think it's fair to say. In the interest of balance, which we don't often do as a podcast, but I do think Isaac versus Lawrence is a fight we should all be interested in, but we should all be interested in it for the right reasons. This is not about the kid who had the silver spoon and the kid who had nothing. I think that's the key thing to remember. But for twists of fate, Isaac and Lawrence would both be somewhere scratching around for a living. I'll go back to the to the time a good friend of mine, Ricardo Slew, won the ABAs. And he was all set to go to GB and he would have been at the Rio Olympics 2016. No one really knew who Lawrence was unless you were, unless you watched a lot of amateur boxing then you knew who Lawrence was. But Rick was at least two or three years ahead of him in terms of ability and achievements. So Rick was always going to go for that GB slot. Don't ask me how, why. He just decided he didn't want to do it. So GB rang a range of 91 fighters and said, listen, snooze pulled out. There's a slot here if anyone can fight for it. Lawrence shows up, probably the least experienced of the bunch, and just shows up, literally performs. They like him. They can do something with him. He goes through. That's luck. That's not having everything handed to you. He goes to the Olympics and he does well. But look at who he loses to. He loses to Erislandi Savon. Everyone loses to Savon. Even Anthony Joshua lost to Savon. <laughs> Let's be absolutely clear. Not in the record books. <laughs> but no, so so when we say Lawrence has had everything, Lawrence has had it tough as well. I think we should respect that. And the other thing with Isaac is if you look at Isaac, if Isaac was coming out now, Hearn wouldn't sign him because Hearn's in love with this Olympic model now. So when Isaac signed, it was the right time for him as well. So these two guys actually have a lot more in common because they're both taking advantage of those small glitches in the matrix that allow them to get in, even though their profiles wouldn't necessarily fit. Yes, look, Lawrence is a big, gangly, awkward guy who should really be boxing as a heavyweight, but he's a cruiserweight, yeah? And he's still raw. Isaac, probably taking the harder route in terms of sparring and people he's been around. So actually, these two guys have a lot more in common with each other than they like to portray. They're both guys who have a shitload to prove for different reasons. And that's why we should be excited about this fight. I don't know who's going to win. You know, I'm hearing Lawrence wouldn't knock him out cold. I'm hearing Isaac will break him down and take his soul. All compelling arguments, but it's all stuff that will make you go, shit, I just want to sit down 
and watch this. I want to hear the noise. I want to feel the energy and I want to watch this. Um, the one thing I will say, and hopefully Isaac will listen to this, and it worried me where he said he doesn't talk to Eddie Hearn. And the reason that worries me is we've learned from the IFL interviews. Hearn wants to be loved. He wants to feel that he's important in your life and your career. If I was advising Isaac, I'd say, mate, Sit down with Eddie. Don't even talk business, right? Just talk boxing. Let him know who you are. You know who he is. And just agree on a way of working between you guys. And then leave Ted to handle the business or MTK to handle the business. Because I think that might be the missing piece in the whole Isaac Matchroom thing. Because you do. Let, let's be honest. Like, we're all working guys. Can you imagine just sacking off your boss and going, I'm not going to talk to you? <laughs> Eventually, he'll find a way to get rid of you because he wants someone who's going to make him feel important. <laughs> but I wonder if, uh, I'm not saying this on behalf of Isaac, I just wonder if Isaac feels like he's never going to be important to Eddie. So therefore, why make that effort if it's not going to be reciprocated? But you unless learn, unless yeah. he beats Lawrence and then he's important to Eddie. But then it almost feels like, imagine if you're Eddie, you're like, oh, now you want to come to me. Probably the wrong time to do it. it it's one of those things. I think the phone it, would go the other way. I think Eddie would be picking it up. I don't yeah. think he'd be down to Lawrence, uh, I, Isaac. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> you got to stop that. <laughs> you know. No, so, so I think the, the key message is, you know, Isaac gave his account of the interview. You I, heard it here. I, I, think we, I think we can safely assume Lawrence will not be dialing in. Um, but I think the point to make is these are two guys who have both beaten the odds. And now they're going to face each other. And in facing each other, at least we're going to find out who the better prospect well, Lawrence is. Lawrence can dial in. Lawrence can <laughs> dial in and talk and he can tell us his side of it. I'm Maybe you can call that. him Isaac. No, no. I'll call him Isaac. <laughs> Everyone's happy. Let's level the playing field just, just remember that final line where you're like, I hope you smash. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I have a favourite out of it. But it doesn't mean that I don't respect Lawrence out of it. Lawrence will dial in. Do you know what? The part of the problem is Lawrence is part of that Joshua team and it's all media trained it's all media handled so he doesn't talk to people like us so a lot of people that are listening won't ever hear from Lawrence aside from a GQ he would have done or, he would have done would he because <laughs> I've never seen him talk to anyone else about oh, come on man I, I sit there I will, I'll go out to cool boss do it Lawrence just talk to us come on let, let us know yeah so but, I, but I think Unless we're GQ yeah. magazine, I suspect we wouldn't yeah. get that interview anyway. Ah, he's he's, he's happy fair, to talk. You want, you, I like hearing people back aside. If you spoke to someone on the Sky Sports team and said, who do you want to win? They'd be like, it's well, a 50 50 fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. so painfully on the fence, it would be frustrating. So. Yeah, so Josh is going to fight that parking attendant. What do you think, Spencer? Uh, it's a 50 50 fight. <laughs> it's a 50 50 fight. I can see how both guys can win this. Yeah, but the parking attendant hasn't been in the gym for seven uh, years. Yes, but, but you can't has, train the mind. He has a puncher's chance. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, <laughs> just by stepping well. in the ring, he's already won. <laughs> no, no, but I just thought, you know, I just thought I'd throw in just that thing of just remember when this build up kicks off because they'll try and sell you a narrative. But this is essentially two men that know that there's only one slot and they've got to fight for it. A good luck. To but them. I feel following on from what I just said, Isaac will always garner the support of the ground roots boxing fan because of the fact that he engages a lot more with the ground roots boxing yeah. fan. Whereas I say Isaac um, is very good for that. I don't think Lawrence necessarily is. And to me, that's because of the whole being part of Anthony Joshua's team kind of sets you aside from being any of that. And you you show me anywhere, because this is, we're about the third or fourth podcast that Isaac has appeared on. Uh, do you know what I always go back to? And I think if, if people go back to the podcast 26th of September or 25th, one of those days, it was 
it was after the Brooke Golovkin fight. I remember talking about Lawrence then. And this is before Lawrence was signed. And I said, the thing that impressed me about Lawrence was <clears throat> he probably knew he was about to be a matchroom fighter. And when they wouldn't let him into the weigh-in, he didn't even kick up a fuss. It was just like, okay, cool. So you've got this Olympian outside. It's like eight foot tall. I remember you saying people walking past him. Just didn't know who yeah, he yeah. was. And he wasn't, and nothing bothered him when people wanted pictures. Like once guys like Hopkins started coming out and people were like, oh shit, that's the Olympics guy. And I just looked at him and I went, actually, he's a really nice guy. We had half an hour together. So for me, I'm like, that's a really nice guy. And I don't imagine he's changed that much. I guess it's just, I'd imagine the way he's handled changes how he has to behave or, or be seen. And I'm not saying for one second that Lawrence isn't a nice guy. I've no doubt whatsoever because 99% of boxers are nice guys or people involved in the sport. There's some scum in the swamp, but I don't for one second imagine Lawrence is part of that. But what I'm saying is he's never, to me, not as accessible to boxing fans as, say, Isaac is. Uh, before we move on to the Cyclone show, there, there's a there's a prominent IBO title within that Cyclone show. Yeah, so, so Chantel Cameron fought for the IBO title. So I wanted to address a quick question from Ricky Wright. MC Ricky Wright. Uh, <laughs> Premium MC in the country. I'm labelling him that now because he's the only one that listens Ladies to us. Ladies and gentlemen, so, MC Ricky Wright. Premium MC who's now cringing at Terry's impression of the MCing. Yeah, He's from Wales. That's a terrible... Ricky. Ricky Wright. He's <laughs> not from <laughs> Afghanistan. <laughs> Fuck me. My name is Ricky Wright. I am from Wales. <laughs> uh, right. Yes, so Ricky Wright did actually Ricky say something. Wright. The IBO is becoming prominent with champions such as Eubank, Golovkin, AJ, Fury and Klitschko, and now Cameron. While the WBA gets more farcical by the day. Plus, the WBO can't match the IBO champs at the level of heavyweight, super middleweight and middleweight. What will it take for the IBO to be considered better than the WBA and WBO? And before you answer that, or included in that, I'd like to ask, when did we go from three recognised uh, bodies to four and... And, and tag that onto that question. Will it, will it, is it more likely to go five or one of them be dropped? And It was three and then in the kind of 90s, late 90s, the WBO became recognised. And when you say recognised, look, that's by boxing fans. We accept that there are four. There were actually like 20, including mm. like the World Boxing Confederation. I tweeted out their rankings the other day and it was like Anthony Joshua, number one in the heavyweights. Michael, and then Michael Andy Sprott, next. number two. Deontay Wilder, number three. It's like, what kind of fucking <laughs> moron has put these together and, oh and published it? Like, really, at least keep really it on is. your bit of paper, you fucking idiots. Um, so, okay. So, the so, WBO were the fourth into the, the party, if you like. Um, so, therefore, but, it's more likely... F so, so, the first point to address, it would be more likely for us to have five... Yeah, it's more likely to become five than three. Than three, okay. Yeah. So, or, or even replace... But take a, a punter who was bringing four. the WBO into the sport. Frank Warren. <laughs> no, but, but go all the way back, though. It used to just be the WBA. So like when guys like Ali were fighting for belts, it was a WBA belt you got. Then the WBC came through, but that came through the Mexico route. So when they started to fight, that gave it legitimacy. So then you had, you had two... 
until the 80s when you then had the IBF come through. We've discussed the IBF and its rather murky beginnings. Uh, so that's like the early 80s. And what legitimized that was putting the belt on Larry Holmes. So once they gave Larry Holmes the belt, who was actually the real heavyweight, he's like the, the generally accepted heavyweight champion. They put the belt on him. I think when he got stripped of the others, he kept the IBF. So when Larry Holmes is fighting and he's number one, that's what happens. You know, parallel. If they gave Tyson Fury the IBO belt, if he fought someone for the IBO belt, let's say he fought Wilder, and he was like, look, we'll fight for this IBO belt. That legitimizes it. Yeah, as, it's like if yeah. Joshua right now dropped all the other titles and kept the IBO yeah. and then started fighting for that, then that becomes the heavyweight title, out of the active heavyweights at present. Because remember, for a long time, the WBO wasn't counted in the in the calculus of who's undisputed champion. You know, Warren was trying with the whole Ben Eubank thing. That's when the WBO kind of got momentum around that time. But what happens? This is what happens over time. You end up saying, well, how am I going to get a world title when all of these things are sewn up? Oh, this is WBO belt. We'll, we'll touch on Miguel Cotto later. He was a WBO champion for a long time. Um, so that further legitimizes it. For the IBO to cross over, it won't be through Chantal Cameron, and that's no fault of her own. It will be, let's just say there's a point where Joshua, was ha he had that belt and he actively promoted his fights for the IBO. And Golovkin did it. And Golovkin does. Golovkin rates yeah. the IBO title far higher than many of the others. European fighters do. It has real meaning in Europe. So if you win an IBO in Europe, it's, it's a reasonable deal. It's just that in Britain, we're quite snobbish. And we look to the Americans and not the Europeans. So is IBO a European-based body? Yes, I think they are. I, I think, think they so. are. Whereas IBF is Puerto Rico? IBF is New Jersey. Oh, okay. Uh, where are the others? WBC's Mexico, WBA Venezuela, but uh, one moved to moved, Colombia. Didn't they? Yeah, it's Colombia now. Wasn't there like Flavors a Sourland? The Sourland, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was to the grand opening, boys. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I saw the interview where they were talking about narcos, and he's like, yeah, 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 season three, the Cali Cartel. And I just said, the irony's not lost on him here, is oh, it? Oh, did you see the uh, tweet they put out the other day where somebody had asked about um, Groves Eubank? And they're like, oh, now that it's indoors, at least you haven't got to worry about the snow. <laughs> and he just replied, like, let it snow, let it snow, let it like, It's not lost on him whatsoever. <laughs> Callas all in with this. The best one was, I think it was when Cougar was like, I've got a fiver here for you, but it's all crumpled up. <laughs> it's no use. <laughs> <to you. laughs> So respect him for just playing up to the role now. Yeah. <laughs> just accepting it. So going back to Ricky's <laughs> question, right, with the IBO. Look, to me, it's getting to the point, um, if you can start getting that IBO. So at the moment, you've got it on Golovkin. You've got it on Eubank. You've got it on Joshua. Um, those are three legitimate champions, three proper champions. And then you look at what the WBO are doing and go back through time a little bit. So with WBO and their international ranking belts and their European ranking belts, right now you're putting fighters that have no right whatsoever to be in the world top 15. So I'm talking the likes of Leon Woodstock, who beat Craig Poxton. Craig Poxton. World-class Craig Poxton. <laughs> <laughs> it's no disrespect to Craig Poxton, but if you had Craig Poxton at number 16 in your world rankings... Especially when he's doing ITV boxing at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> how you, is that money grabber anyway <laughs> if you had him at 16 then you would need sectioning there's something wrong with that 
Um, and then you've got Anthony Yarda going in at number six or whatever um, because he holds a European. So then when Travesty you, is at least, they should be number two. <laughs> should be two, definitely. Um, and then when you look back and you think of the likes of Liam Smith when he held that WBO like middleweight title and his first defence was against Jimmy Kelly. Like Jimmy Kelly has zero right to be in a world title fight. So the more that the WBO... And don't get me wrong, they're not the only ones, but those kind of fights and those kind of ranking systems, they're not the only ones by any means because you get the WB Silver, you get the IBF Internationals, but they don't always automatically put you into that top 15. You have to still work a little bit. But with these WBO ones and how it relates to British fighters, it makes it a laughing stock, an absolute laughing stock. The IBO, how they rank fighters, is off of the box rec rankings. They just they replicate the box rec rankings, which nobody's saying box rec are perfect. Nobody's saying that. But. But. At least. Massive, massive but. It's a, it's a massive, massive but. The but is that you're not going to see Jimmy Kelly in the top 15 <laughs> of the light middleweights on BoxRec. Ever. Yeah. You don't see like, you're not going to see through the, uh, through the BoxRec rankings, you're not going to see a publishing of rankings one week and then what you, what you can imagine is a phone call made and then suddenly a dramatic exactly. change of exactly. rankings. You won't see Paul Smith land at number or six. Or dead guys the in the rankings. <laughs> yeah. credit, so, look, credit to BoxRip because they've already got Cotto as inactive. Yeah. Yeah. They are, they're efficient. Um, and so, yeah, you... If you replicate what BoxRec do, you might not be doing it perfectly, but you're going to be doing it without the influence of people being able to buy their way into... Oh, you probably can. You can probably ring the bloke from BoxRec and go, yeah. how about we shove mm. our lad? There's still people that use Championship Manager as a scouting tool. No, absolutely. So so in the end, there there is a certain there's parallel. A, yes, there's a value to it. Yeah. Um, so look, the IBO... That doesn't mean that, say, Deontay Wilder's number two on box rec. I don't, I don't know how the heavyweights sit. If it's Joshua Wilder, like, the IBO can't suddenly mandate that fight to happen because Wilder's in at number two and they've got the belt on Joshua. They're not going to be the ones that can influence that there's a unification between them because their rankings say so. But, look, on the other hand, if they can start getting their belts onto fighters that are going to take them seriously and in some way get those rankings utilized and used then look i'm all for it because i think that's a really good way it's an independent way if nothing else but without the financial inputs that we know go on elsewhere yeah but it's more likely we're going to end up with five rather than say for example the wbo dropping out of legitimacy because the, the only the only thing that makes me question is when you said recognized as the undisputed ring and that's purely just a perception a fan's perception is it this. So, so undisputed is an agreed perception. Yeah. So it's uh, undisputed is. It's not nothing of. See, because for me, for me, undisputed is you got three out of the four, right? That's me. Like you're undisputed if you got three out of the four. Some people say if you got two out of the four, you're undisputed. No, you gotta have four out of the four to be undisputed. Unified is. Oh, that's the one. Yeah. So yeah, unified is two or three of the four. All right. Undisputed okay. is four of four. Right. So. So, and then chuck in the ring magazine belt as well, <laughs> which Tyson Fury still has. <laughs> like, let's just muddy this water a little bit further. Right. So, ultimately, Ricky, we've come to the conclusion that there is no real answer. But actually, if you think about it, there is, there's a quite a few answers. The, the biggest <laughs> revolution will be when we just don't give a shit about belts anymore. Let's hope this World Boxing Super Series becomes so relevant, and they carry it on, and they do it to such great effect that actually the Muhammad Ali trophy becomes far more relevant than yeah. any world titles. Be and, nice. Until people be start paying to get their fighters in there. 
It's well, they probably already do. Paul Smith Jr. getting in there. Well, how the hell did Mike Perez get in the cruiserweight one? He lost weight, I'd imagine. But that doesn't make him one of the top eight cruiserweights in the world. <laughs> no, nowhere near. Yeah, so how did he get in there? The, the, it all, so it all depends on getting a governing body recognised depends on um, fighters, essentially, and individual fights and, and such, legitimising it. The yeah. Ali Trophy, therefore, would require what? In order to be legitimised above those, it already is to me. Yeah. Like maybe not the super middle, but that's because De Gea was injured. So you've still got the best super middles. Maybe Benavidez, you can make an argument for. But if it, it should hopefully get to the point where if a fighter isn't willing to take part in the Muhammad Ali Trophy, then they're not relevant. So Tony Bellew in the cruiserweights, you get these world champions of all the the division. Sorry, all of the uh, organisations in the cruiserweights. And Bellew decides to stay up and go after David Hay. Okay, so at that point, leave him out of the conversation of who's the best cruiserweight in the world. In the same way, I don't think you can converse about James DeGale being the best super middleweight in the world because he's not in this competition. And I think you have to be within it to be considered within the best in the world because yeah. that's what they're aiming for. And that's, to be fair, they're backing their money ball in it. And if you're not willing to take part in that, that says to me you're ducking everybody or you're injured. Three fights in under a year. It's unheard of. Okay. You, yeah, you can't cherry pick either. I think mean, that's a fantastic level of answer given that in some times you've gone, don't know, don't care. No, I like that question. It's a good question. <laughs> Deep and meaningful answers. So from that point onwards, let's talk about the Cyclone show. Terry, did you see it? Uh, I saw bits of it. So I saw Chantal Cameron. Um... I guess we're getting used to that sort of performance from Chantal Cameron. Um, you know, nice long punches, nice combinations on the inside, really, I mean, really digging into the body. It it all looks very good when, when Chantal Cameron gets busy. It, it's, it's an impressive sight to watch. I do get nervous that she's not taking people out quicker because they're only going to get harder from here on in, which might be a good thing because we'll find out how much she can take when it comes back. Not to say that she can't, but the lady she was boxing yesterday was atrocious. Was it Vivian Ubernoof? I've no idea. She she looked she if there was a female narcos she'd be in it. That's all I can say. She 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 looked like she had taken her boxing last year, and I shouldn't really say that with any malice, but it didn't look good. And they're the sort of people you should be taking out if you've been through the elite level development program that Chantel has. So a little bit of a worry, but. She still looked good. Let's not take away from that. It was a good performance. Just want to see a bit more devil coming out of Chantal Cameron. You know, she moves up the levels. Um, other fighters saw um, Chris Billum Smith, who I mentioned earlier. Um, lovely, lovely double hook. Like, literally, right hook to the body, left hook to the body. Uh, the Bulgarian lad, can't remember his surname. Um, Igalilov. That'll do. It was class. No. Just, just didn't want it. Like when the first right hook went, you could see that there was a bit of resistance. Like, no, no, I can take it. I, I can didn't, take I it. didn't see it. Did Billum Smith? Because last time I saw him was on the Josh Taylor undercard. Yeah. He was getting caught with a lot of needless shots. Uh, this time definitely wasn't. So, okay. so, so what? What was good. really good this time was he'd do his work, he'd engage, and then he'd almost just stiff arm the guy just to hold that distance. Yeah. And just move forward. No, that's degrees good because out. I say last time I saw him, he was getting caught on the way in and the way out, and. It, it was needless shots to take, and that was a bit of an alarm bell. So I'm sure, don't, look, if I can see that, I'm sure Shane McGuigan saw it and knew what to do about it. Yeah, no, um, no, he, it was, 
it was a one round demolition job, but in that time he took no needless punishment, which was good. Um, but we've discussed this before. We're seeing a clear McGuigan theme here that you know there's real, real violence to the body from from all McGuigan fighters, which is good. I love body shots. I think. I think what Shane's done is he's found that point of difference and gone, well, British coaches tend to be very upright, headshots above all else. All of a sudden, you've got these guys going to the body. like They can all throw that left hook to the body and they always seem to find the floating ribs, which is good. But how good is it to know that this lad has fought four times in under half a year? Yep. Just the old school way of boxing. Just get just get the fights under your under your belt. Just... None of this, I'm going to wait till it's right or whatever. Just get stuck in. Get to 8-9-0 in. Oh in 12 months. Yeah. If you're fit and you can fight and you can work, why not? And it's all extra income for you as well. So I think a lot of these other boxers at that similar level in that similar situation should really look at themselves. Yeah, I think it's maybe slightly different for Chris. I think other boxers on a TV platform should be looking at how that works. You know, the, the boxers that aren't on a TV platform, they've got to go and sell the tickets for every fight. They've got to... And that's different. You can't do that eight, nine times in 12 months. But anyone who's privileged enough to have that TV platform, some of them will still no, need to. No, to but, sell but, but, it, but in the old days, it would just be like, do you know what? Steve Woods got a show in Manchester. Go on, mate. Just, he, he's got a slot to fill. They'll stick you in there with some Lithuanian, mate. Just jump up and take that fight. Yeah, but that doesn't happen. Like, most of the small hall fighters, nearly all of them, on any show they're on, will have to sell the tickets. Which is, well. <laughs> They do. You, you, oh, no, no. So if you're a Goodwin fighter and you're on a Goodwin show, yep. he's going to give you tickets to sell. Yep. Right? Let's just say Steve one day does a 10-fight show and he's like, I don't really have a, a upper mid-card fight here. If if Errol Johnson goes, do you know what? I've got, got a couple of lads floating about who need a slot at, at this level. Can they jump in? Steve's not going to go. But who's going to pay? Who's going to pay him? Who's going to pay the opponent? You, can you cover that from the cost of the show, right? No. Well, you'd have to. No, you just wouldn't have that fight because that fight doesn't sell any more tickets for the show. Why not? Hold well, on. No, so so some mid-level geezer from Manchester. No, 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 no. Example does nothing. Let me think off the top of my head. You take a Craig Cunningham, right? He's at that level. Does not. If he was put on a Goodwin show, a York Hall. At two weeks' notice, he sells at most one ticket more for it. He would not benefit the show. I guarantee you. See, I'm trying. I'm trying to run through middleweight in my head. Bear with me. So, if you look, for example, you take a fight like Cameron Sheedy. That works in any in anything where you've got people who understand boxing. That fight works. That could slot in anywhere, you know. And that goes back to what I was saying about Chris Benetton, that sort of old school thing of just travel and get the fights, you know. But who's that, paying from? This is always the issue. Wouldn't you pay? I would. So if I was a promoter and I could get a Sheedy Cameron, I'd put the money up and I'd go, do you know what? I've got to find a way to work it. It doesn't do it like that at the that, Commonwealth title. So you're paying sanctioning fees to the Commonwealth immediately. Yeah. But that's a, those sorts of fights are worth it. That will not add on without one of them selling tickets. That will not add on the value. I, no see, I, nah, see, I think it would, and I think and let's I, save it for December eighteenth for okay, last Steve Goodwin. Wait, 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 and I tell you why I say that because you were at a show yesterday that had seven hours worth of boxing. It did, and I will ask you in two weeks' time when Steve Goodwin's there what you remember about that night of boxing, and you will go. Let me go back to my notes because you won't remember it. 
Yeah. And that's one of the things that's part of the decay of boxing at the moment. We're not remembering these things. Like when it's, if someone says to me, what do you remember about Steve Goodwin in 2017? You don't want to say Renda McKenzie. 100%. Because you sat next to me and that made it special. (laughs) (laughs) And I had Waddy behind me, I felt safe. No, no, but you see what I mean? You get those kinds of moments. 100%. And and we're lacking those sorts of moments because promoters are like... But those moments don't have a pound note attached to them. As you found out. Okay. Conflict over. Let's... Speaking of small hall shows, right? Uh, Liverpool J asks... Well, she points out, first of all, what he... Um, Emilio Butigueno. <laughs> Butragueno. Thank you, Terry. I think, was he known as the Hawk or the Vulture or something? What, like, freakishly high scorer for Real Madrid in the 80s. Well, anyway, he said for, about Liverpool... And put, Hugo Sanchez as well. He was known as yeah, one of the five Vultures. Sanchez might have been one as well. Can't remember. Okay, whoever he was and whatever he was known Legend. as. No, 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 no. If we've got Spanish listeners in Madrid especially, you've just offended half of Madrid. <laughs> what, by not the knowing man, who he is? The man is a god in Madrid. Right, well, I'm sorry, Spanish <laughs> listeners. I don't know who your gods are. But uh, that goes that applies across the board. There's nothing implied or intended by me not knowing. It's just pure ignorance. Um, anyway, whoever this geezer was, the hawk god or whatever his name was... Um, Put a shit hanging from a stick in the middle of this passionate, crazy stadium, and there are people who will tell you it's a work of art. It's not. It's a shit hanging from a stick. <laughs> About Anfield. <clears throat> Can the same be said for MTK Essex Fight Nights? Now, before you answer, when you talk about... We, we, we went to a fight night down Essex, and I... And I really enjoyed it. Now, whether that was due to my own experience or not, but there was some there was some good fights involved in that. And I would I would wonder if you're a small hall promoter putting on something, how much is it your fault for not choosing the fights right? And how much can you attribute it to the fights just not being exciting on the day? You can watch a Man United Arsenal game like we had yesterday, December the first, December the second, um, and it was incredible. Like, yeah, or you no. can watch an Arsenal game, an United game in three months' time, and it'll be a dire nil-nil Terry's draw. Terry's just said about Leon McKenzie, Cello Render. That fight was special. Nobody could have predicted it would have done exactly what it did. Um, and it could have been a stinker. They could have walked out and, you know, you had a Southpaw and an Orthodox fighter. They could have just nullified one another for the entire 10-round fight. But they didn't. For so- Something clicked that night, and it just happened. Um I said about the atmosphere last week when we were asked by Sam O'Reilly about what, you know, will we see a better atmosphere? That Wadi Camacho versus Jose Lopez fight, it just so happened that something ignited and the crowd got into it and that made the fight seem a lot more special. It could have been, again, that was a Southpaw and an Orthodox, it could have been a stinker of a fight and we all went away going, ugh. But it wasn't, it was something else. Um, So, yeah, you can't necessarily blame the promoter if the product is crap. However, if what you're doing is loading a card up with crap products, then don't expect it to be good. Yeah. It's a tricky one because we always judge these things after the fact. So it's it's easy for me to tell you a show's good because the day after I had a hell of a time. Yeah. But it's it's two weeks before you're looking at a card and do you feel this is a good card? That's really my assessment of it. If I look at a card, because there's some cards, if you go back to like the early 2000s when some of the the fighters we look up to now were coming up Gaza Ward we look at some of those undercards and go shit they were amazing 
but that's because we know what all those fighters went on to do. But at the time you're looking at it, you're like, who the hell are these guys? And why 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 am I being forced to sit up at 2 a.m. to watch him? But if, it's, it's only with the benefit of hindsight. Yeah, so imagine you. imagine you happen to watch the debut of uh, Miguel Vasquez when he was fighting Canelo Alvarez. Nobody knew who those two lads were at that stage of their career. Nobody. But now, if you happen to be in that arena, however long ago it was, 10 years ago or something, maybe longer, you can say, I was there for the debut of Vasquez versus Alvarez. Like, that was never... Those two careers, the way they've panned out, it was never meant to be like that. Because, for example, here's a prime example. I went to Kel Brook's first four fights because, obviously, having studied in Sheffield, I knew a lot of the guys. So, Sheffield, Sheffield, Tenerife, Sheffield. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That wasn't a fight. That was a stabbing. (laughs) (laughs) I got stabbed. You didn't have to fucking move your hips. I didn't do you anything. You're not on your date still. <laughs> and and yeah, back then you had high hopes for Kel. But if you had said to me he'd have had a moment like the Sean Porter thing, I'd have been like, I, I don't see it. I, Honestly, I'd have been like, I don't see it. I have to ask. So do you think that the results have the same impact? And what I mean is, if you go, if you look at a card and go, this card's going to be rubbish, and it is rubbish, does that, is the same impact made on your mind post fight as this good this is going to be a good fight and it's a good card and it turns out to be a really good card are those still equal or is the negative worse than the positive well the negative is worse because i fucking paid for it <laughs> yeah 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 where he's yeah. all quite going that's what i expected for the good one <laughs> exactly yeah so so if you go to a goodwin show and you pay your 35 quid sneak into the press bit and you get render mckenzie You've got your money's worth. You're doing back, you're doing backflips all the way home. You're you, like, yeah, that that's a five hundred quid ticket that you've got for thirty five quid and sneaked yeah. your way in. Now, 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 if I'd gone yesterday, I've, I saw the card yesterday. If I'd gone yesterday and paid thirty five quid, um, it'd have been like, I know Steve, so I can't really be a fucking wanker on it. But I'd have been like, eh, why change the habit? Yeah, but I mean, look. People would have known what they were getting out of that card. There wasn't a lot there for the bo- the general boxing fan. It was more about friends and family of those that were on the card. I think that's accepted. Look at the company man. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, may I introduce Martin X. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I'm just saying, look, if you looked at that card, you knew what you were getting. Yeah, no, it wasn't. it wasn't a great card. And you'd have to have a reason to go. But Steve would be honest about that. He'd tell you it's probably not the, not the best card he's put on this year. We'll hear on Wednesday. <laughs> right, so, so, so address specifically that Liverpool J point about the MTK shows. Um, well, there was another one he sent through on the back of that, which, <laughs> look, I'm not going to comment on this one way or the other. Because I didn't see it, so I can't make an educated comment. He just said the commentary was shit. So, <laughs> hey, look. So, so here's That's what, all I'm saying. Here, here's my take. When we did the show, um, which I think is a modern classic by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> I, I, is it is it I, eligible I, for an Oscar? I'm not sure. Definitely an Emmy. <laughs> or, 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 you're going to get Harvey no, no. Weinstein in about 20 years' time, mate. You don't want to be touching <laughs> to be honest, those awards. I, to, to be honest, I'll be honest with you. I'd quite like a Hennessy. <laughs> for services to YouTube. <laughs> no, no, but look, what, what, when we did it, it was rough, it was ready, 
it was Ben because of that there was a, there was an edge to it there was a kind of a, a hooligan feel to it that sort of upstart thing and which channels it being broadcast on IFL which in itself is rough and edgy and beef that, shocking you know it has that hooligan it. element yeah to it. It, it, it has that it has that Essex boy feel and when we did the show I felt that it was definitely in Essex and it was a it was a great atmosphere it's almost like they've looked at that. And they've gone, we need to get from point A to somewhere near Sky. Which I always think is a massive mistake because Sky didn't get there overnight. Go back and look at the early Sky boxing broadcasts and you'll realise, I mean, they've been on a journey themselves. So you ended up having Andy Clark, who's the ultimate Sky company man. And I don't think I'm insulting anyone by saying that. The guy doesn't look like he's spied around in his life. And just literally parrots off things he's heard from Carl Froch and Tony Bell. You say <laughs> that that's just being honest. Like you can you can play Sky broadcast bingo with him. And yeah, Peter McDonough, who actually give him his due, we had him as well. Really knows his stuff. Yep. Really insightful. Really saw it. And I thought he was really and good. Wasn't on it, it Sophia Di Stefanano? Yeah, they had the, the ringside interviews, which she 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 seemed absolutely clueless about these guys. You know, at least well, she'll do, get a job at Sky then. Yeah. But I think I think I think she'll fit in brilliantly. <laughs> so, so, so you're watching this, and there are all these guys like Pagan and whoever. I, I don't really care about them. You know, good luck to them in their careers. But I have no connection with them to have that level of interest. You know, I tried to watch the fights, but they weren't engaging enough. So I, I, I had my interest. My interests were Daniel Egbonike, Dan Aziz, and David Price. They're the fights I really wanted to see. So they're the fights I saw. Um. I didn't like the commentary. I thought the commentary was trying too hard to be Sky with what was essentially a small hall product and it didn't work. So they're trying to layer in all these multiple layers. I'm like, do you know what, Andy Clark, if you just put the microphone down and just got Craig Richards to sit there, who's come up with guys like Dan Aziz, he'll do a far better job. You're there feeding these guys inane bits of information and there's no real context. I like to feel that when we were there, you know, there's some people we know, there's at least some stories we know about the guy. So there's there's that added layer of depth. Clark was good because I mean, he's done it before. So he did the stuff that we didn't do, like this is round number three and stuff like that. <laughs> details. I mean, yeah, the you, details. You can see it's round number three. You don't need fucking us to tell you That's, that. That was Marvel. Yeah, it's what's on the fucking TV, isn't it? I just think commentary in general suffers from a bit of it's a, boring, isn't a, it? A bit of overspill from the past. You look back, original commentary was inevitably somewhere like the BBC because it was the original sort of television format, which was, again, inevitably very British, very structured, very, do, 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 you know, for, for, formulaic. Whereas when you sort of bring that through and it started to evolve, again, on the BBC with sports started becoming a bit more prominent, you had that changed into guys with a bit more personality, but they were always like, oracle in their nature and so all it's done is turn people into uh, turn commentaries into constant air fillers where there's no space they don't just leave the, the, the someone to watch they tell them every single thing that's happening as opposed to allowing that person to absorb what they're watching and i personally when we did it 
Now, I realise that there'll be some people sick and tired of hearing us talk about our own commentary. <laughs> but personally, the, the, the only thing I could do without any sort of commentary training was just think to myself, what would I like to listen to? And I'd like to listen to someone sounding like a human watching, watching the fight, giving some context, get, relying on you two for a bit more you yeah, know, we, are, we are sounding like jealous exes right now. But, so. well, you know, for me, like... <laughs> I, 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 I kind of got over that. Come but, back to me. But but as a product, I'd like to I'd like to I like an answer to the question of where the hell are MTK going with this, because I don't see what the vision is. It's it, it's not really small hall, and it's not really a televised product yet. And it's it's gotta it's gotta pitch itself on one of the two and then invest accordingly. And am I right in thinking Ben Dowdy was involved in it, or did I read that incorrectly? I, I didn't see him, thank God. Okay, if he was, then shame on MTK for that because that man should never get a job. Shame, shame on Hennessy last week for doing the same. But but this, you know what boxing's like. Every everyone just weasels their way everyone back. Everyone comes in. back out the cesspit and gets a role somewhere. Which reminds me, the bottom of the <laughs> so cesspit. Hope for us then. What, what, no, no, <laughs> the bottom of the cesspit is a man in boxing that will remain nameless, who I hear is having a really shit time, and I'm really happy about it. So fuck himself. Anyway, it's interesting. It's a very Christian way of looking at it. Uh, nah, ITV him, boxing. Don't care. No, 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 uh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to say anything. Anyway, then uh, as soon uh, as but, I but, pause it. Bang. No, no, but but no. no this one stays in my head. <laughs> Fuck him, he knows who he is. But no. Ha- <laughs> Mate, I told you it was an accident. <laughs> no, no, so so for MTK. I have edited look, Terry, Martin look, saying Terry's name four times out of his body. <laughs> no, no, look, for MTK, we, we, we've done ours now, right? The, the bucket list has ticked <laughs> off. Six, 67,000 people have watched it, right? I'm happy with that. Oh, if I we don't get asked back, we don't get asked back. But I am going to I use this podcast to be as honest as I can. I don't know what MTK want to do. I'd like to know because I think a lot of the stuff they do is really interesting. But I'm not seeing what connects it all at the top. I don't think anyone's seen that at the moment. Okay, let's go on. Move on from our crying with our box of chocolates, watching the TV. Bridget Jones. Yeah. Um, and all by myself. Um, move on to question for the pod. Can you tell me who this is from, by the way? Do we need to break down the card? Do we need to break down the card? Because, like, look, everyone wants to know how David Price was. Well, go then. Do, yeah, talk about that. Cause the rest of it's relatively. So, 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 guys who impressed me, Daniel Egbonique impressed again. Fought a really game Spanish lad who no one had heard anything of before. I mean, he 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 went hard for a couple of rounds, and then I think he just ran out of energy. But the kid looks he looks good, but he does that thing that English boxers do that annoys me, where they wait for the perfect moment to jab instead of just fucking getting on and just using the jab for a multitude of reasons. He could have probably made the night easier for himself. Um, Kryptonite Dan Aziz was making his debut last night and I, I'll hold my hands up and say bias Dan's a friend really like him he's a good guy but I'm watching this fight and having been hit by Dan Aziz I understand what's going on I remember you said a way. long time back about being hit by him yes so 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 this guy I think I think it was another Bulgarian gets in the ring Dan Aziz throws the first right to the body and I've been hit with that one so I was like He's going to go backwards around about now. And then after that, the guy didn't want to know because he was there trying to figure out how did that happen? Like he, the arm didn't travel that far. 
so so Dan Dan looked look if anyone can watch the MTK show uh, probably about half an hour from the end watch Dan Aziz's debut for how you're supposed to have a debut you know yes he didn't knock the guy out but he hurt him with with what he wanted to hurt him with and the guy just came to survive as soon as he felt the power he was there to survive um, and his ring attire brilliant. It looked like it was 1980 again. So he had like the proper toweling robe, good kind of velvety shorts with the with the long 80s tennis socks sort of look. It was it Louis Van Pooch came in yesterday to fight Dalton Miller. He had like a white dressing gown, just the kind of dressing gown you get in a Premier Inn. He just had that on. It was phenomenal. That that that's what Dan looked like. It looked like, like I loved he, it. Joe, it, it, it had shades of Dwight Braxton or Dwight Muhammad Kawi when you were just watching him. Um, the movement and all that. I'm I'm, I'm happy that he's he's done it. That's uh, another fellow in the cap for Brian O'Shaughnessy, who's quietly building a hell of a stable over at Coolbox. Um, David Price. Um, so we went from Giraffe Gate. To just snooze gate. Like, <laughs> look, Sokolovsky's like five foot six, right? Sokolovsky's a cruiserweight that is probably on shitloads of um, humble pie to make yeah. himself yeah. a heavyweight. Mm-mm-mm. Let's be clear. Gotta love yeah. that humble but pie. We know, we know Sokolovsky for icing AJ Carr. And that's pretty much it. But what worried me was, as soon as he stuck it on David Price, like, Price was... There was a point where I don't even think Price knew where he was. His face, was, his head was looking one way, his body was the other way. I was like, mate. If he's going life and death with Sokolowski, he ought to just throw it all in now. It wasn't really life or death, but it was the old 2010 David Price would have knocked him out in a round. Yep. He tried to say he needed to do the rounds. I was like, did you help? Would have bombed that right hand on him and it would have been done. Yeah, so, so Price hasn't got a jab of any note and the right hand just doesn't look like it used to. I, 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 think, I think it's gone. I don't think Derry Matthews can rescue it. I think it's whatever that... You do though, you have that spark for a finite period and once it goes, you don't get it back. And I think that second Thompson beating just killed it in Price because he knows now he can't do the 12th. So, Boxing Fan asks, it's getting cold out. Some may say it's time for, quote, summer camp, end quote. <laughs> My question to you is, out of the current crop of boxers we have, who is the most likely to accept an open invitation to summer camp? You know, the problem is, right? No matter what answer I come up with, nothing's going to beat the coterie of individuals that are currently in Canada right now. <laughs> Nothing. Just nothing, right? <laughs> Who's in Canada, Terry? Um, nah, I don't know. Some, some, some moose, some caribou. <laughs> but no, look, right now, <laughs> who could do with being beefed up an awful lot? Kalyafi. Kalyafi needs to be the one because you're in a division where you've got the likes of Quadras, you've got Inoue, uh, you've got Gonzalez, Shrishaket, all these ones that are going around and they're blasting people out or they're blasting one another out. In the meantime, you've got Cal Yafai going 12 rounds over here without any particular interests. It's hard to get on board with the Cal Yafai story. When we're hearing that over in America on these Superfly cards, there's crazy shit going down. People are just wiping each other out. And we get 12 rounds of Cal Yafai technically being very good. Excitement-wise, zero. Like He's someone that would benefit from um, going and getting some sunshine somewhere, going and having a, an inverted summer camp. Mm-hmm. Um, having some humble pie. A bit of humble pie 
and then I might get on board with Go it. Go for seconds. Definitely have uh, seconds. But look, just a go, quick one like, on that subject. You, well, uh, they go on to say, obviously, while away on summer camp, they'll need a trainer to get them to fight, uh, fight ready. So who do you think would be the perfect Ingle, trainer to Ingle's fantastic. guide fights through summer camp? <laughs> Ingle is looking brilliant himself and manages to get every other fighter looking brilliant. I mean, go ahead. Yeah, charges them for it. Like, like charges really... Yeah, like a lot of your personal. I mean, summer camp's a big. I don't know how you explain that to the tax man. Like, yeah, just <laughs> how did you go to summer camp in December? Like, you know, Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> Where were you going, Terry? You had a point. You were. Uh... No, I was going to say it's. It's this thing about boxing that really pisses me off. Right, you hear fighters complain that they can't sell tickets, so they're going to just pack it in. They have a big sulk, and then you see, when you talk to them, you go, "But mate, how many times do you think you really entertain the public?" And they're like. And then they, they go quiet. And I'm like, you see, the people who make money, and let's think how hard it is to make money in boxing, right? Just think how hard it is. So for Mayweather to make a shitload of money like he did, I don't think he gets the, the, the respect he deserves for generating money that wasn't typical in boxing. And all of a sudden, everyone thought they deserved to make that money, but they don't entertain. Yeah, and for all those people that are now screaming at their podcast playing device going, yeah, but he wasn't entertaining. What what he, at least there were many years he was, and, and what he also managed to do any time he wasn't was make you hate him so much that you'd pay to watch him lose. But the pretty boy Floyd was the entertaining one. The money Floyd less so. But yeah. as you say, the, the money Floyd was the one outside of the ring. That transition happened whereby the excitement was gone, but the bell end stepped in to replace it, and that's the one that people yeah. hated enough to want to watch. Yeah. And 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 so for all these young boxers, here's my tip. Yeah. Don't tell me how many times you made the guy miss. I just want you to stop people in the ring, yeah? I want you to accept that we've, we've paid our money to watch this. And I want you to say, look, there's a point here where I'm going to have to go to war. There's a point guy. where I need to stand on his toes or let him stand on mine and we'll throw. Yep. Because I can tell you, as a boxing fan primarily, I enjoy nothing more... I like seeing technical boxing. If you're in a four-rounder, if you're in a six-rounder, I like seeing three rounds. I like seeing five rounds of technical boxing. But look, you need to spend at least one of them just going, ah, fuck this technical stuff. Chuck it out the window. We're going to stand and fight. I'm going to test my own chin. Because at some point, when I move on to those 10-round championship fights, I need to know that chin works anyway. So you might as well find out now and entertain those people because when you get to that six, seven, eight fight and you've not had one entertaining round within it, within your career to date, don't be surprised when nobody wants to buy a ticket off you. And you can't sell it off of being for a, a title or an eliminator for a title. That title's around the corner. If you can't excite me, I don't want to see you and I wouldn't pay my money. Yeah. Sorry, Terry, I jumped on your point. No, and that was exactly my point. It's, you know, stop the whinging, stop the moaning, stop forcing people to buy tickets. You should be that entertaining that I want to come and see your next fight. It is that simple. Yeah? And that's a challenge to all boxers in 2018. Go out there and entertain. I don't want to hear all this I had to get rounds in. For who? Not for me. And I'm paying. You didn't have to get no rounds in. <laughs> I, I'd happily go home early. If a show finished at 10 o'clock, great. That means I can get a night out as well. So, do you mean, let's have 2018 where people do that. And and as promoters out there, and I know a few listen, if your fighters are stinking the place out, you need to sit them down and go, this is garbage. Sit their trainers down and go, when are you going to teach your guys to actually cause havoc? So Miguel Cotto fought his last, last fight and rode off into the sunset um, against <laughs> Ali. Defeated. Uh, so it was, it was, it was give, a different sort of ride to then... Let, to hunched over on his horse. 
Um, so, did you both watch this or? I haven't seen it. I so. I watched it. Um, there, there's no there's no other fight this year I'd rather have watched. I think everyone who listens to the pod knows I'm a massive Miguel Cotto fan. I think of all the boxers to debut since 2000, it's between him and Ward who the best is. Um, I think you've got to give it to Cotto for longevity and just the names on his record. I think too often we, we talk about boxers and we say, oh, well, he lost to so-and-so. Forget that for a second. The Hall of Fame is about memorable fights you were involved in. And from about 2004... Cotter was taking names. Um, Randall Bailey. Um, Zab Judah. Who else did he fight? Demarcus Chop Chop Corley. Uh, Paul Malinagi when he was undefeated. Um, and you go up, Joshua Clotty. You see, now you start to move up through the names. Like He had Margarito 1 and Margarito 2. He fought Canelo. He fought Pacquiao. He fought Mayweather. Gave Mayweather his hardest fight in like 10 years. Like, when you start to reel off, Cotter has about 11 or 12 names in a 47-fight career where you're like, they were legitimate opponents. And then there's others there who are good opponents, but these are like, yeah, when you fought them, they were real names at the time. I definitely so, think that's, that de- and it definitely gives cachet to someone's name. If you look at them, they're undefeated, but they've never really, they've ducked people, then yeah. you might, you're better off having taken those fights and push someone close and narrowly lost aren't you because for me Cotto will always be he's a, he's a tweener so he's between welterweight and light welter he's 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 too big for welter too small he's too big for light welter too small for welter but this man went and fought Sergio Martinez and yes Martinez was injured but he still had to guard and execute his plan and that's how he won the middleweight title defended against Daniel Gill Who's I mean, competent. He, he beat a damaged Sergio Martinez, yeah. didn't he? Like, we have to be honest about it. It wasn't a peak Sergio. Was... No, but he, but he was probably giving away a hell of a lot of weight as well. He had none of the advantages yeah. other than just knees that worked. <laughs> so so he's fought Gil. He's fought... He fought Canelo. He... Look, the, we, we look back and we've never ever said, oh, Cotto ducked. Who's Cotto ever ducked? He fought everyone. He fought everyone he was supposed to fight. And he's fought two of the greatest to ever lace a pair of gloves. And it's no shame in losing to those, as Ricky Hatton will tell you. So for me, like, I think Cotto is beyond question. He's he's one of the best to do it who in our time, definitely in our time watching boxing. And he did it in such a way. The elegance of what is essentially a very simple attack with Cotto. It's, it's all these punches to distract you. And then it's a left hook to the body, a left hook to the head. And every time he he was just creative and elegant in how he executed it. So um, when Josh Finch asks, would you say Miguel Cotto is a world-class fighter now that he is retired, Absolutely. even though he lost the majority of his biggest fights? Absolutely, he's a world-class fighter. Exactly. Because a lot of times he was playing around in, in, in spaces he had no right to play around in. So credit with... Look, we will miss Cotto. Here's a guy who... There were the wilderness years after Margarito won where he tried to go back to technical boxing and then we saw at 154 he, the old Miguel Cotto hooking to the body, hooking to the head, using that straight right to keep you honest and then just coming back with the left hook. He, he, he just, just go and watch Miguel Cotto highlights and just tell me if there's a man who is more elegant in motion than him. 
Uh, Daniel Raza asks, is it fair to call Miguel Cotto a legend of the sport or did yes. he fall just short? I suspect your answer would be yes. Yeah. He's, he's a legend of the sport because he fell short against pretty special guys. Mind, do you have any input on Miguel Cotto's career or how no, he stands know, in the plethora of great boxers? Do you know, I'm not really, I've never really followed Miguel Cotto that much. So Terry's far more educated on this. I've got no... I'm not going to be able to add anything that Terry hasn't already said. He wants to walk past your call. Does that qualify him yet? (laughs) 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 Did he pay his £35? (laughs) No, he got 60 ringside. (laughs) No, look. No, you turn up and some bloke gave him cheaper fight tickets on the night just before you went and do you remember that bloke who yes. you got 10 quid tickets for yeah. so look no it's nothing against Miguel Cotto it's just I've, I've never really followed his career that much it's not somebody that ever did an awful lot for me it's not so I don't like him I just anything that happens at 2 o'clock in the morning in a day's pre-internet it was very difficult for me to ever catch up. Then when the internet kicked in, I had children, so I don't really watch how much stuff the next day. It needs to be on this side of the pond for me to to really have an interest. I'm afraid. Yeah, it is. I I I am I'm, I'm I'm incredibly biased towards Cotto. I don't think there's anyone he really ducked. He was up for any fight. You make the finances right, and he'd fight. Um, you know, he he did his adopted homeland of Puerto Rico proud. Yes, he was born in Rhode Island in the United States. So he did his adopted homeland proud. I mean, represented them in the Olympics. Look, it was a shame he lost the way he did to Saddam Ali, but he's a 37-year-old man. And Saddam Ali, despite that loss to Vargas, Saddam Ali is no mug in that ring. So, you know, he did he did the very thing I insist boxers do. He kept the money in the sport because now Saddam Ali can say, I beat Miguel Cotto. Give me a big fight. Give me Liam Smith. In the same way... Uh... Bernard Hopkins did when he lost. Yeah, when he lost to Joe Smith. Not uh, that Joe Smith's taken that. <laughs> He's not taken yeah. the ball and run with it. Nah. But. <laughs> George GB92 asks, how do you see Saddam Ali versus Liam Smith going? It's interesting. So I think Liam Smith will walk forward with his hands up. <laughs> and I think the problem you have, and, and, and Koso found this, Ali's really quick with the counters. So as soon as you open up to throw combinations, that's when he's picking you off. And he was able to hurt Cotto at least four times in that fight, like properly hurt him. So Smith will have to, it'll be that tight guard, but I think Ali will find a way around it. There'll be right hooks round the guard, left hooks round the guard, uppercuts, straights to the body. And Liam Smith will just spend most of that fight just chasing Ali down. The way Smith could win it is by shutting the space down and literally just going, I don't care how many shots you hit me with, I'm going to come back with twice I mean, twice let's be fair to Liam Smith, much I laugh back. He's, you know, he lost to Canelo. Like, there's no shame whatsoever in doing that. So, is Saddam Ali that special that he's going to take Liam Smith apart? Probably no. not. So, you've got to give Liam Smith a chance in that yeah. fight. You have to. Uh, now, Frank has to try and promote Ali versus Smith. Will he send Smith abroad rather than take the inevitable financial uh, loss? I can see that happening. Or could he even put it on MTK slash... Warren you, joint show. You'd do it here. Ali, look, it was held in the, it was held in Madison Square from Garden. John Bailey, by the way. Hey, John Bailey. It was held in Madison Square Garden. Saddam Ali's from Brooklyn and everyone was cheering for Miguel Cotto. Draw whatever conclusion you want from that. But you, what we're basically saying is Ali doesn't even sell out in his backyard. So you're realistically looking at doing that over here. But does Liam? No. But he's a Smith brother. They'll find a way, won't they? No, because, I mean, they didn't sell out up in Newcastle for domestic rivalry against uh, Williams. And so, is it? you know, if he was that big a draw, they'd have done it in Liverpool. 
and they didn't. They did it up in Newcastle. They didn't sell it out. And so, is he that big a draw? Again, I'm not being negative about Liam Smith. I'm just saying he's not that big a draw of a fighter. But I think the problem is Ali's even less of a draw. Yeah, so it's like... So you have it here because... One of them's going to have to take a hit financially and not get what they'd like to for a world title. At least one's going to have to. Because Smith's there like... Liverpool will just come out for a world title fight. That's generally how it works, isn't it? Hearn's milked that to the nth degree. So... He stands more of a chance. I don't see that happening in Brooklyn. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think it's not going to be one of these ones where you get a huge purse bid out of it. But no. on the other hand, Frank has allowed Billy Joe Saunders to go over and fight Lemieux in Canada. So, But Lemieux's big in Montreal. He's huge in Montreal. We'll find out when the purses come out how much he's getting <laughs> for, for going over there, Billy Joe. Because you'd hope it's a decent amount. He's taking his world title overseas. Frank tells us all the time that he'll do what he can to get home advantage for his fighter in world title fights, yet he's allowing one of his few world champions to go over to Canada and fight in the challenger's backyard. You've got to hope. And if Billy Joe Saunders is getting that big payday, brilliant, fantastic, yeah. all for that. Yeah, but no, for, yeah I, I was surprised at the amount of boxing that happens in Montreal and Quebec in general. I was really surprised. I know Butte built up a big brand awareness of it over in Canada, didn't he? So, you know, as long as somebody's yeah. carrying that on, brilliant. Yeah, the, the Canada's all... People have made reasonable money there. Didn't Hopkins fight in Canada against Pascal? I think he did, yeah. Yeah. Okay, Sam Khan asks, has Warren ever done a Wembley-type show? If yes, why, does, uh, why doesn't he do it now? If not, why not? So I think this is more like, what's the biggest show he's ever done? And has it rivaled the likes of Klitschko AJ? So, no. I'm sure he's hired venues that size. <laughs> and they've been just massive echo chambers. But- was it Calzaghi Manfredo? Maybe. Manfredo. I can't remember which that he did at the um, old Cardiff Arms Park. Which Maybe is the, big... the Millennium. I'm not sure yeah, which we, year we, it was. Yeah, so, Ar- yeah. so Arms, Arms Park isn't really that big. I say it may well have been the Millennium. I'm not sure what year it was. But uh, look, it doesn't spring out in my memory as being anything memorable. So no, did he do Ben Eubank too at Old Trafford? He... No, I think that was Hearn, wasn't it? I think Barry might have been involved i might be because, wrong because that's that's the only sh- i know barry did the white Hart lane one i don't know who did uh yeah. Ultra. so it, that, that would be the only event to rival the sort of the eddie hearn super fight era would be ben eubank at old trafford which i think did forty seven thousand plus uh what about um hatton when he fought at the manchester stadium city of manchester stadium mm. that was a relatively big one was it was that was that Warren, though? I think it was. I think it was. Right, so why? I need to check the years on these. I yeah. don't know. So why? Why it. hasn't he? That was the other part of the question. Well, if not, well, why not? Because Warren's too old school. Like, like Hearn, Hearn will pedal bullshit, and he's happy to do that. And Hearn doesn't care about the hardcore fans. So Hearn's selling to a whole new market that Frank doesn't care about. Like Frank doesn't even say hello to these people in Tesco. Do you know what I mean? So Frank, Frank is. I want football hooligans, hardcore football fans, few birds, not women, birds. And that's pretty much it. And if Frank can get 10,000 people, he's happy. I think we've talked about it before that Eddie Hearn has almost like changed boxing into the same way that football changed in the 90s, wasn't it? He's he's become more, not maybe family friendly quite yet, but that's the market he's driven towards. In my head, I was just thinking, look, if you asked a kid now, who's better out of Ronaldo and George Best? They're always going to say Ronaldo was like, he kills it. He's, he's scored so many hat-tricks and whatever. Um, 
and they won't really know about George Best. And I think that's kind of where we're at with Hearn and Warren is, look, Ronaldo can market himself. Ronaldo is everything that is self-market and self-publication. That's Hearn. George Best, at the time, yes, he would have. But right now, like, do we really know? Uh, you know, if you went and looked it up, you could find it out. But is it that publicly conscious about George Best? Or maybe, you know, a less high-profile fight, uh, a footballer from that era, um, but still a very good one. Look, Warren's got a ceiling. Warren's got a 40,000 ceiling on him. Eddie's got a 90,000. And for the record... That's what it comes down to. If anyone can get the George Best ESPN 30 for 30... Very good. Brilliant. Very good. Um, That's why he just sprung to mind as I was thinking of it. Is there a natural... um, Is there a natural sort of limit? Boxer. Is there a natural (laughs) boxer? Is there a a natural limit to how many... (laughs) (laughs) How many people you can attract to a fight based on the size of the box? Seven. Ask, well, look at Mayweather. Like, heavyweights. I, I realise that's why I'm kind of asking because has anyone ever been lighter than Mayweather that could garner that kind of attention? Guys like Duran. So when Duran was going to fill out when, when Duran was at one three five, and I know we're going back to the seventies here, but he was huge. And and I know I'm saying huge for seventies boxing, huge. So it's not Wembley ninety thousand. But it was huge because people knew. I think deep down, we all we all we all acknowledge what greatness is, and and we we'll disagree about eighty or ninety percent of boxing. But when you say names like Mayweather, De La Hoya, we all agree that these are people we would all watch, and it's a handful of people that ever get to that level. And it's not just size; it's not just boxing. It seems just to be there's a whole package behind that, and. It's a whole package, and it's just almost something you can't manufacture. And I think Hearn's going to find this out in 2018. You can't manufacture greatness. Uh, okay, from 90,000 seat stadiums to potentially single figures, John Bailey asks, "What do you think of Hennessy's comments that he was pleasantly surprised with the Fury Parker, <laughs> Fury Parker PPV numbers?" <laughs> I, Is it the I, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised too, <laughs> and then I was pleasantly surprised to realise he had remortgaged his house <laughs> to pay for the fight. Uh, Is it the worst lie ever told, or did he expect single views? And what does he think? when he sees the MTK stream compared to his Pink Tyson show? Well, the MTK one's free, so you don't have to register any card detail. Look, if he'd have done that Pink Tyson yeah, show, he'd have maybe... No one's going to watch it because it was fucking terrible, right? <laughs> Let's be clear about that. So £1.79 isn't what put me off. Andy said it last week. I wouldn't have watched that if it was free. Yeah. 100% accurate. Whereas the MTK one, David Price's headline, you, you might watch it if it's free. Yeah. Um, but look, when it comes back to, is he lying about he was happy with it? Of course he was lying. From what I understand, that did maybe, within the region of, 9,000 buys. At what, 15 quid each? At 15 quid each, you're looking at £13,500. Wow. That you've made back out of it. You've paid <laughs> Joseph Parker two and a half million quid to come over and fight. Oh, so, I mean, that's a hell of a black Ooh. hole that you're somehow trying to make up add in the venue costs add in Huey Fury's costs add in all the other stuff look if those numbers are true if 9,000 is true Fat Mick is fucked <laughs> no, but but here's the thing about Hennessy <laughs> <laughs> mate I ain't lying no, but, but, but that's he, why he's got £1.79 yeah, YouTube shows but, 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 but he... <laughs> so Andy's having a moment here but here's the thing about Hennessy oh. right he bludgeoned Froch's career. Froch never made the money he deserved to make because Hennessy fucked that up. 
He fucked up Darren Barker. Darren Barker had the sense to just go, you know what, bollocks to this. Um, I mean, he balls up Fury. Let me see, who else is he? Who are the careers as he balls up? Eubank Jr. he couldn't handle. Like, DeGale? Yeah. Shopping centers? Hennessy, Hennessy is this guy. You know there's certain people who are in boxing just to meet their heroes. <laughs> and that's what Mick Hennessy is. You imagine Mick Hennessy meets Barry Hearn and he just comes in his pants. <laughs> and then that's it. And, and Barry's like, I'll give you... All right, your fight's going to take 50 quid. Mine's going to take 10 million. And Mick would just shake on you and go, thank you, Barry. That's- Barry's like, what's that in my hand? Oh. <laughs> it's green. Oh. Jesus Christ. No. I need but, a beer. But-, <laughs> <laughs> but that's the level Mick Hennessy's at. He's bludgeoned people's careers. So when you hear me say on this podcast, be careful who you associate with, right? If you're going to sign with a promoter or manager, sign up with a killer. Because Mick Hennessy is a poodle in a Joe Gallagher world. Oh my God. <laughs> Mine's actually lost. And we're back. <laughs> oh, fuck. That took me by surprise. Um, okay, Paul Alltight, speaking of. Paul, my man, spoke with him last night. Speaking of small hall promoters, uh, out of the small hall promoters, who do you think is the most deserving of a TV deal, or do you think it would actually hinder some? Deserving Steve Goodwin, Steffi Ball, the two of them. Uh, Steffi Ball does some fantastic stuff up in Doncaster. The only reason you don't hear us talk about it more often is because we're southern-based. Listen to the British boxing blog, lads. They're northern-based. They get around to that kind of stuff. Uh, their new podcast, get on board with that. Um, after you listen to us though like we need those numbers like yeah, you know, yeah. don't, we'll, we'll don't, share don't the love after us. we get the love don't yeah. sacrifice us but <laughs> <laughs> now they do a brilliant and job up better there. than all no, so, so are, we, are we excluding people who currently have deals because I'd say Hobson well, and the only reason yeah. I say Hobson is you know now that I've written my my poor Hindley-esque opus on David Hay I think we're up to part four now <laughs> one of the things I now realise is like Dennis Hobson, for like that that first quarter of Hayes' career, it's all Hobson, 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 and you're looking at the people he brought on, Anthony Small, uh, he might have had Spross on there, and and what he was doing even back then was Hobson was putting on shows around the country and partnering with local promoters, going, look, do you want to get your lads on here? And I think he's trying to do a similar model now with free sports, where he's like, I've got my guys, and they'll form the core of the show. Steffi Ball, you want to put some guys in? By all means, we'll help you out. Errol Johnson, you want to put some guys in? We'll help you out. Or if we do something in London, hopefully Steve Goodwin, you're, I mean, you've got guys you want to get out, but you haven't got a slot, fine. So I think he's, he's it's a, call it a federated model he's trying to do. And I, I think it's interesting because it's mostly monoline promotion. So if you look at a Steffi Ball show, it's mostly pretty much all Steffi Ball. And now th- this is just a, let's bring everyone together, which is, an interesting way of doing things. And would it get things around the country? I'd, that's what I'd like to see, actually. I'd like to see boxing moving around. And, Agree. You know, just that thing of, if there's a kid in Nottingham who can knock people out, let's let's see him knock people out. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'd say, look, it works plus and negative in that sense, is that uh, when ITV showed the sh- uh, card from Preston, it was Robbie Davis Jr. and he nearly... He was in trouble against the lad, uh, foreign lad, Zoltan, Zabo. Zoltan Zabo. And it blew apart this myth at the time that Robbie Davis Jr. was this killer, was this phenomenal talent, because he looked fairly average until he stopped the lad fairly late on. Nice Robbie round. Davis Jr. went and got exposed later on. Oh, yeah. Um, so look, yeah, let's have that, because I'd love to see it up and down the country, because you hear names like Robbie Davis Jr., 
from where I am down south, but I don't get to see him because he's based up north. As soon as I got to see him, I thought, well, you lot are chatting shit up north <laughs> because he's not really that good. And then I saw him when he got wiped out on the Eubank Jr. undercard. Yeah. Um, but it's brilliant to shine a light on it because I talk about Linus Udofia all the time. People up north will go, I ain't got a clue who that is. Yeah. So actually, if somebody up north got a chance to see him, they can either judge me and say, you're a dick because he, he looks terrible, or you can say, you're right, he looks fantastic. One or the other. But it would be brilliant to see some of the small hall stuff from around the country and see these names that you hear bandied about. Yeah, almost almost same to or, you know, like a call to arms to promoters. Send your best guys. Yeah. yeah. Because they're not that much... Ta- let's be honest, there's not that much What's elite... That? I say elite, but like top level small hall talent, the top of the small hall. There isn't that much of it around the country. And so if you said like, if you broke it up by say Steve has got 25% and Steffi's got 25% and then there's 50% knocking about between all of the other small hall promoters, I'd love to see those, you know, that 100% of the top lads on shows being handed around between could you, ever, could you ever have someone like a boxing road show that, that, that travels around the country with the best fighters in amongst it like some boxing no. league I, I think, Wait, isn't that what like old circuses were <laughs> yeah well <laughs> or, or, or next gen it? isn't that next gen <laughs> 18,000 viewers oh whoops okay right moving on orcs <laughs> let's move on to previews uh, Lomachenko Rigandau Happening over in New York. Uh, what a fight. I think Roy Jones said this on paper, this is the best fight ever. It's the only time you've ever had two double Olympic gold medalists. So they've both got two golds fighting each other. Uh, Rigandale's stepping up two weight divisions because, frankly, the likes of Quig, Frampton have all run away from him. Um, so he's having to chase the fight. He's going up two weight divisions to take on Lomachenko. Lomachenko, who we know is exceptional. Rigandau, who we suspect is exceptional. Um, and At just, that weight or? Just in general. And even the loser is still exceptional. Like, this is just yeah. the best of the best. It is, man. And, like, this is a fight I'm getting up for next weekend. There aren't that many fights I get up yeah. for at two in the morning. This is one. Craig at Fight Talk. Shout out to Craig. Chat to him last night. Brilliant, as always. And Sam. He's going, isn't he? Craig's going out to New York uh, <laughs> Thursday, I think, to go out there for it. That's the kind of fight this is. Is that if you're a boxing fan, like a purist... And you don't have a family like myself. You're jumping on a plane to New York for a few hundred quid and you're getting out there and you're getting a ticket. And like Rigandale, fair play to him because he knows he's underappreciated in the sport and in public and in society. He's doing like a meet and greet for all the people that are flying from around the world to see him. On the thurs- like Wednesday and Thursday, he's just doing like an open meet and greet with people. Like This wow. is a phenomenal gesture, like a world champion who shouldn't have to do that shit. Yeah. Andy Joshua wouldn't do that, but Rigandale's well, just Well, they should all do it. No, don't get me wrong, they should <laughs> yeah. all do it, but Andy Joshua wouldn't do it. Like Floyd Mayweather wouldn't do it, um, but Rigandale isn't appreciated that much within the sport, which is a tragedy. He's getting on a bit now. But he um, has got the best Twitter account. It's not run by him. Come on, man. There's no way that's run by him. The man speaks about three words of English. He's not running that Twitter account. Whoever's running it is brilliant. Yeah. But I say, there's no way it's the Cuban Rigandale. Um But yeah, like two fighters who Rigandale, we don't really know if he's had his prime, if he's passed his prime, if he's yet to hit his prime, because he's not had those those challenges. The only time we've seen him on these shores, for instance, is against Jazza Dickens. Like, fuck me, Jazza Dickens had no right being in that ring with him. So, like, just... And he made sure Jazza knew. Right. Yeah, he broke what, his jaw so to make sure. what weight is this going to be happening at? Super and how, and how much weight has Rigging out to put on? Well, he's jumping from Super Bantam to Super Feather for this fight. So he's skipping Featherweight. He's going straight up. 
Um, eight pounds. So I realise that's proportional because he's a light guy, but is that a massive amount to have to yeah. distribute yeah. it that weight? Yeah, because you know, they've, they've had to say to Lomachenko, you can't walk into the ring more than 138 pounds. Yeah, you can't pounds. rehydrate over. Um, but look, Rigandau has said, don't let the weight be an excuse. If I lose this fight, the weight is not an excuse. It's because I wasn't good enough. I love wow. that about him. Like, wow, yeah. well, look, did he say that or did the Twitter account say that? <laughs> the Twitter account. <laughs> Mike Cuban, when I read it, I knew that's what he said. Um, but look, he's saying, don't let the weight be an issue in this. Like, I'd have gone there anyway. I'm just going there now because that's where Lomachenko is and that's where the fight that matters to me is. So look, nothing but love for this fight. This is, it could be David Hay. That's what David Hay says. (laughs) It could be boring. It could be two absolute like technical, um, you know, people that have mastered the technicals of boxing that nullify one another. Even if it is, I don't really care. Um, It's one of those moments. It's exceptional that we're seeing it happen. And I doubt either of them is going to be walking away with millions and millions of dollars out of this. I doubt there's, you know, there's not huge money in this at all because as much as we appreciate them, they're not appreciated outside of boxing. <laughs> Will you be paying for this fight? I'm a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, look. On paper, been... the best fight in history. Is it? Is it on Box Nation? I, I don't know. I don't even know. I presume, but I presume it's behind some sort of paywall. I just wondered. I'm not how committed to this. Uh... No, because look, I'm not going to subscribe to like a channel. <laughs> if they did it as a pay per view, if I could buy it for fifteen quid or whatever, I'd buy it. But I'm not going to do that because they won't do it. So instead, I'll be streaming it at two o'clock in the morning because that's what you do with the best thing ever. <laughs> um, okay. So. Uh, who are you who are you going with, Terry? See, I want Rigandale to win, but I just think the additional weight and I I just think I think Loma has too many tricks. It's Southpaw v Southpaw, so I'm not sure that the traditional Lomachenko tricks will work because they'll be moving in the same direction. So normally it's orthodox versus southpaw. So Lomachenko can come around the corner and throw those shots. But if you do that this time, there'll be a backhand waiting for you. So that adds the intrigue. Yeah, but it's 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 the same problem for both of them actually, because Rigandau loves to throw that straight left. That's his money shot, and that works well against orthodox guys. Against southpaws, with like Lomachenko, he's looking out for that. So. There's a lot of things, there's elements here. I'm going to say Lomachenko because I think a good big one beats a good little one most most of the time, you know, just to quote a classic boxing axiom. But I'm going to put my money on Lomachenko and I do that with a really heavy heart because I love Rigonda. I just think at 126, it's an even fight. At 130, it's just not. Martin? I'm torn, similar to Terry. Look, I love Rigondeaux because what he's done with his career is like he's come with two Olympic gold medals. If you had two Olympic gold medals as a male in the UK, imagine the fanfare that you'd get. Imagine the money you could potentially make. Imagine I love what- the fact you caveated that with male. Because Nicola Adams no, has. Because she's so Adams underappreciated. Is, yeah. Nicola Adams is already that. Yeah, That's if what she I'm was saying. a track athlete, you should have been knighted by now. No, but wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> Well, she isn't because she hasn't got a fight coming up, so we just don't see her. Exactly. You know, but when she's got a fight coming up, she'll start talking about how great women's boxing is. But if, if you bitch, <laughs> if you <laughs> tell me he's wrong, he's not. Look, if you had a double God. Olympic gold medalist in the UK turn over, and they were, I don't know, say thirty years old when they do it, like they would be given the gold carpet treatment by Hearn 
and he would build them into a megastar. Rigandale's never had that. He's that Gary Hyde, for fuck's sake. Gary Hyde, who most of the people listening to this, I'd suspect, rightly or wrongly, won't have a clue who Gary Hyde is. Um, he's probably running that Twitter account. But the fact that you've got someone like Gary Hyde involved in his career shows you... <laughs> you don't want a comedian in your career. <laughs> shows you what a... You know, relatively, it's a car crash of a career that you've got somebody with that talent and they're having to, to use that level. So, look, I want Rigandale to win it because of he's having to jump. He's have, The likes of Frampton, the likes of Quigg, they don't want anything to do with him. The likes of Santa Cruz ran away from Super Bantam to get away from him. And, like... What Rigandale can move up to Feather, but he's he's skipped that because if he went to Feather, I'd love to see that because it'd be like a pincer movement. You've had Lomachenko move up to Super Feather. I'd love to see Rigandale move to Feather, and then you've got the likes of Frampton, Quig, Leo, Santa Cruz that suddenly go fuck. I've got like I'm gonna have to go back to Super Bantam now because I I, <laughs> I can't go up. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go back down and like just chasing people. What about the shocker that if Rigandale loses, he, he loses, loses his belt? It's disgusting. Fuck the WBA. Fuck. Do you reckon that was Hearn? Just, yeah, just take the belt off him. Yeah, probably. Gilberto, take it off him. So, look, I, I love Guillermo Rigondeaux for that, for taking that risk, taking that step, looking for those challenges. Because, as I say, the money isn't going to be superb, I suspect. I'm sure it would be nice, but it won't be ridiculous amounts. But Lomachenko is everything that is sexy about boxing, is fun about boxing. His talent is... You know, it's almost unmatched, probably aside from Rigondeaux. Um And with that additional weight, I, I just I think Lomachenko will stop him probably mid to late rounds. Be my guess. Prediction for the actual fight ending when, Mister Chapandama? I think it goes a distance. I think Rigondeaux is enough about him defensively, and if you look at him physically. He looks, he looks, as I saw sort a of teak tough appearance. I know he's been dropped before, but that's when he's, that's when he's careless. I think he'll be on his, he'll be on his game in this fight. So, and if you remember, like, like Rigondeaux's the guy that he defends with no guard. So his whole body is his shield, essentially. And I think that might throw Lomachenko off because you can't read his defensive patterns. But I, I want him to, I want him to see the final bell. I think he will. But I still think Lomachenko just has a little bit more. Okay. Uh, we have James DeGaulle and Lee Selby fighting. Main evented by Umar Sadiq's second fight. <laughs> Let's not forget that. So if you want to tune in for any reason, tune in to watch Umar. Yeah. The, the, the other fights are nice to have, but Umar's boxing. So oh, who's think? got a reason to watch the rest of it? I don't even know who DeGaulle and Selby are fighting. If I'm honest, I, I could probably just... Is there about, a guy called Trot, T-R-A-U-X or something? I could probably dig... Well, I could dig it out and it'd take me two minutes, but I'm not going to because I can't be bothered. Um, because these are irrelevant fights. They're fights that you've got two world champions. Who's going to take a punt as to... Right, here we go. Frank Warren Bingo. Will the Copper Box have sold out? No. Yes or no? No. no. I'm going to say no. Will there be violence in the crowd? Yeah. Yes. Probably. Will they Look, give away tickets in competitions beforehand? Yep. I'm going to go. So look, <laughs> we know the formula. And like James DeGale and Lee Selby in opponents that you name three, four weeks before the fight, that doesn't change this formula. Because as much as DeGale and Selby are both good talents, very good talents in the UK scene, against irrelevant opponents, you've just got to yeah. showcase fights. And then you've got some stuff underneath it, which are right. So you've got the likes of Joe Malander, you've got Johnny Garton on there, you've got Umar Sadiq, you've got Anthony Yarde. You've got some good talents under there. 
Johnny Garton's never been in a boring fight in his life. If you go in, make sure you get there for Johnny Garton. Big fan of his. Same with Joe Mullender. I think they're both fighting for IBF European or Intercontinental Smoking titles. Look, those two will probably be more entertaining fights than the main event. I guarantee that, actually. Do you think, do you think boxing suffers from um, a history of, at one point, you could say, oh, yeah, this geezer, oh, he's amazing. Over in Romania, he hasn't stopped losing. And then, because no one could check you out, because there's no internet, it's, you, you, that's why you want to get in, it's sort of into that fight. Whereas well, now, well, that's the habit that promoters have got into... It's, it, Historically, but, but, and now, but now boxing fans are a lot more educated. Well, That's what they're suffering. So, so it's a two-edged sword, like most swords. It's a pointless phrase to use. <laughs> yeah, that is a good point, actually. Yeah, wow, that's a great sword. Yeah, there's only one edge to it, though. <laughs> I'm primarily right-handed, you see. So, what you about the backswing? Back. <laughs> yeah, what about the backswing? Oh, I didn't think about that. Oh no. But in essence, you've got you've got the desire to build a fighter up. So, so. It's it's, it's it's like when when Michael Vick was dog training, like he 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 had to have a couple of poodles and some spaniels for his pit bulls to you know get used to fighting and just basically biting the shit out of. Do not dog fight whatever you do; it is illegal and it's horribly immoral. Right? Dogs are great creatures, but well, they're great fighters too. But uh, but, 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 but so, one of them's top yeah. ten in the WBO. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so so you have to. So you you you're gonna have to give your opponent, your prospect, some crap fighters just to build him. And so they can do those reps, getting used to walking to the ring and stuff. And I know it's not great that we have to pay for this, but that's just the reality of boxing. I think it's done too much and people are trying to protect the undefeated streak because there's some kind of market value in that. In my world... Nah, I don't want to do that. In, in my world, prospects would just fight each other. Like in the amateurs, just crack on. So what if you get four defeats in 20 fights? I don't give a monkeys. If you're entertaining, you'll sell out. Nice and simple, the way things used to be done. Yeah, well, Martin said the same thing about Khan before. I don't mind watching him because he might knock somebody out or he might get knocked out. But and that's Waddy Camacho, I've seen people label Waddy Camacho a bum before. And I think, you fucking idiots. Like, Waddy Camacho never been in a boring fight. Although I was chatting to him last night, I did say his Aussie Gervier fight was boring. I told that to him, so that's fine. ABA champion, people uh, forget that. But look, Waddy Camacho, he loses some, he wins some. But he was talking last night, look, if Lawrence Acoli or Isaac Chamberlain, if one of them won't sign the contract, ring me. It's like, genuinely, he said, I'm going to go on Twitter in a minute and start stirring shit up between them. Because, like, <laughs> if one of them won't sign, I'll go and fight him. Like, that's the kind of man he is. So look, he's lost, I don't know, five, six, seven fights in his career. So what? Like, he's always in entertaining fights. So, like, let's just... Terry's right. I'd love to see it more often. But, um, you know, Luke Campbell. Luke Campbell would not have been fighting Jorge Linares at that stage of his career if he hadn't lost to Mendy when he lost. Because at that point, his O's gone. So they don't have to be as protective. So you might as well just go for the best. And if you win, fantastic. You look the best. If you don't win, eh, so what? Like, you lost to Jorge Linares. Um, but yeah, like just to point out, no one gives a shit about James Gill or Lee Selby this weekend. Okay, fact. So there's a, a fact. but we care about Umar Sadiq. We care about Umar Sadiq. We care about I care about Johnny Garton, Joe Mullen, Anthony Yard. We care about everyone. We care about all these people because some of them are on the up. Well, most of them are on the up, and like they're trying to create opportunities for themselves. I just feel like what if I was to write out ten potential opponents for James DeGale, ten potential opponents for Lee Selby. These two guys being flown over on Saturday wouldn't have made the list for either. So and, what's the point? And that's the problem. In our heads, we know exactly who both those guys should be fighting. And it's not and, these. And until we get there, we're not excited. Yeah. 
Exactly. And you can't, and then back to your initial question, you can't keep sp- spoon feeding the public bullshit because we're there going, no, no, hold on. I know who Selby's fought. I can see who this guy's fought. Selby shouldn't be fighting this guy at the stage in his career. Yeah. Give me something more meaningful. Okay, a final few questions to fire through. Uh, John Bailey asks, should Eubank Senior be allowed to spout his, I hope the ref looks after yes. in certain names. Yes, he should be allowed to say what the hell he wants. <laughs> I think he, this comes he argues to... that this could end influence uh, inadvertently the football, well, not inadvertently at all. It's the same as, you know, if Jose Mourinho comes out and talks about, oh, the referee we've got next weekend, he's always favouring X team like over us. isn't it? Um, then you're trying to get in the minds. But Jose Mourinho would get fined by the FA because he's not allowed to talk about specific referees uh, in that context. Um, yeah, I kind of get it. But look, unless there's a rule that says you shouldn't do it, then yeah, go ahead and do it. It's it's all It adds to the drama, doesn't it? Look, it makes a headline. He said that about the referee. He's trying to protect George Groves. He's not trying to protect George Groves. He's trying to get into George Groves' head. He's trying to make headlines for the fight. Nah, let him crack on. Love Chris Senior. Uh, the fella asks, if running is a bad form of training for boxers, why do most do it? We haven't got long, Terry, and he's got a date. Yeah. Woo! I've got to go to the Woo! local homeless shelter and f- feed soup to the poor. Because most boxing coaches are incredibly insecure men who do not understand that you're allowed to question the things that you once did when you were younger. So most people say running because, and this is a typical response from the grey-haired tracksuit brigade, well, been running all my life and done me no harm. Why you get on the road, mate? Get your stamina up. Yeah, yeah, go on, mate. Go on, better running. But look at most boxers in their 40s. Their hips are shot, their ankles are shot, their knees are fucked because they've been pounding the rows for so long. I'm speaking from experience. I tell most guys, do not run more than twice a week. Run at the beginning of the week, run at the end of the week. And whatever you do, do not run on sparring days, for fuck's sake. You know, they do it at the beginning and the end. Isn't that one day after the other? Beginning of the... <laughs> <laughs> I was factoring in rest days there, sorry. <laughs> I'm just picking out the nuances of it's okay. No, no, we're They're like, that. I don't understand what he wants me to do. He tells me one thing and then he tells it's the me the beginning and the end. <laughs> you just run twice at the beginning of the week. Whatever the fuck you do, don't ru- don't no, run no, Monday no, after no, the other. No. So if someone, for example, if someone runs on a Monday and they run on a Saturday, I'm not gonna be that bothered about it. What do you do for cardio in the interim? <laughs> but then they go Saturday, Sunday, Monday. <laughs> no, 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 but 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 you see running running is it's it's low benefit, high stress. If you see what I mean, so you really stress so out your shins. Cycle. And stuff. Why don't they just? Yes, and this is what I mean. So if if you say this to most trainers, the reason they say no to cycling and rowing is they've never done it themselves, right? <laughs> F- forget what the science literature says. What do these scientists know about boxing? They've never been in the ring in their life. I'm like, mate, they're monitoring the physiology. Fizzy what? You know what I mean? Physiology's never been in the ring yeah. in his life. Fizzy water, <laughs> mate. Fizzy pop. Hey, fuck off. That's that, that's but honestly, it's it's intransigence, it's insecurity, it's a lack of intelligence, it's a lack of understanding how the human body works. So they tell people to run, and it's the worst thing you can do. You know, I'm being honest. Like if you're a boxer out there and you're running five days a week, and I know a lot of guys who are doing 45 minute runs five days a week, you're a fucking idiot. Okay, uh, Mo Hassan asks, how do you see the Eubank-Groves fight panning out? Obviously, we'll talk about this close to the time. Would Groves' size be a deciding factor? Can Groves hurt Eubank? Or would 
Eubank's work rate win him this fight. So people need to get off Eubank's dick right now. Yeah, pull the lips apart, step back, look at what the hell. (laughs) Chris Eubank's hardest fight was Billy Joe Saunders. He lost. Right. I think it's fair to say he's proved a lot since then, hasn't he? Not so no. Where's the test? Where, right, yeah, where, all right, yeah. Where's enough. that There's test? Been like, no acid test. You can't fail GCSE English. Then tell me all of a sudden you can read. I'm like, no, no. You got to show me you can read. Yeah. For me, look, Groves will hurt him because Groves has hurt everyone he's ever hit. So that's a fact. He will hurt him. He hurt Carl Froch. Gee, what more do you want? You know, he's hurt Carl Froch. You know, they, they say Groves says, look. Groves exchanged. Remember, was it round six, round seven in that first fight where he just went toe to toe with Froch? And there's a video on Twitter, and Froch is just sat there in the corner. Fuck me. And that's when you know, like you've been in there with with a guy who can really go. So, so does this mean that you're going for Groves for the win over Eubank? Of course. Are you who are you going for? Back up, back up now, and give a brother room. <laughs> Eubank all day long. I'm not basing this on anything. Like, <laughs> I, love, I love the honesty. <laughs> because Terry's going to start going, Groves has got the superior jab if you look at his effective movements in a round. Nah, none of that whatsoever. My gut tells me. <laughs> My testicles are telling me Eubank Jr. stops him in the eighth round. <clears throat> I'm not basing that on any science. I'm just... There's a part of me that thinks George Groves has ever so slightly slowed down from those French days. I think when you get put on your face in the same way George Groves did at Wembley that takes something out of you it takes I was chatting with a boxer last night about another boxer and we're saying since he's been back since he got absolutely flattened one night he's not the same boxer George Groves has gone on to win a world title since that night so you have to respect that he had a a brilliant fight with Badu Jack you have to respect that but all these came off the canvas and nearly won yeah yeah 100% but all these miles on the clock are hurting him they have to like just tells you logic tells you all these hard, hard fights that he's had. Even like the Chudinov fight, that was a hard fight. And like he did well to stop him, but he took some punishment on the way. And then like the Gutnecht one, mentally, Gutnecht still laying in a hospital bed in Germany. The man will never speak, never walk, never have a fulfilled life again. George Groves did that to him. All these things, the mileage, the mental damage, I just think Eubank is so much fresher, so much more energetic. There's an X factor to him that you probably couldn't ever put a finger on. I might be proven completely wrong come mid-February. I, I love like the a fact. Total dick. I love the fact. Has everyone booked their? Has everyone booked their hotels and stuff? In, in. You in? Tickets? In, in. Nice. You go up on the Friday. Uh, I don't know. Saturday. Saturday. No, because I went up on the Friday because I realised it costs the same to get two nights as it did to did get it? one. Yeah. That's oh. insane. <laughs> no, I wouldn't get away with that. Family life dictates oh, that. It's a one night affair. <laughs> yeah, no, no. So, so just um, got 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 one of these. What do they call it? a part hotel? So it's like oh, a self catering. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so now that you've heard those details, that's enriched your experience. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyone listening, I'll definitely be up on the Friday. But yeah, we'll we'll all be up there on the Saturday by the sounds of it, which is fantastic. Which is and the I, reason look, we're going is because we don't know who's going to win, and because it's the level we'll, of the fight. Which tickets did you guys go for? Which tickets? Yeah. Don't ask me. I was asleep when they were being bought. Are you in the gods? Probably. Yeah, yeah I think so. I know floor. Oh yeah, <laughs> fucking VIP. Yeah, uh, you probably got for half the price we paid, knowing Terry. No, no, no. I just gave Kelly. Just I, 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 there was a bloke going. Oh, do you want floor tickets for ten pounds each? <laughs> I've got ringside no! tickets that I can't get rid of. Tenner, 
Fiverr, I'll just, pay you to take these ringside things off me. I, I just gave Kelly a teddy bear and said, mate, you'll appreciate this. <laughs> um, so look, no, as I say, I'm not basing this on any metaphysical um, <laughs> advantages, nothing at all, other than I think Groves is a bit shop-worn, and I think Eubank is so fresh and so energetic, and there's power there against Yildrim that we saw that we haven't seen before. Yildrim, turns out, is probably dog shit, so... Maybe you can rule some of that out. It's got mitigating circumstances, but I don't know. So look, nothing's going to surprise me. If Groves wipes him out, it won't surprise me. Because we haven't seen Eubank really take a shellacking. Do you know, do you know when all that stuff he does coming forward and it's just that big right yeah. hand in his face? Just to see Eubank cut, nose busted up. Yeah. That, and I think for him himself, when he's like, there's nothing I can do to this guy to stop him doing this. Then we'll see psychologically Warrior where Chris Eubank. Let's see. We'll see what that Brighton College education really gave him, right? Because at that point he might just realise he paid for his education, and ooh, it's a bit tricky in there. But let's see it. Yeah. I cannot wait. Cannot yeah. wait. Genuinely excited about that fight. Like that's a that's another moment in boxing. Like yeah, that's a it is. that that's in like, UK. It yeah, doesn't really resonate that, worldwide. Well, no, but that's how Frotch Groves won. Yeah, where you were like. It, this is the right time for this to happen. Yeah. Right, final question that I need you to speed through. Oh, you got a date in three uh, minutes. Yeah. What's your hopes and ideal fights for 2018? Uh, I hope Andy gets laid with his bird tonight. What? That's not, I, that is not 2018. <laughs> Who cares? It'll be, no, it'll be about 17 minutes past eight by the time you meet up. Hopefully you can unzip, get it over and done what? with early doors. Oh my God. Edit, get this thing out. Um, Me, you, well, you, you back Junior DeGale. <laughs> Yeah, I just wanted to no. assassinate every chance. <laughs> so, no, but I, Andy I, moving forward with his no, life. No, I can I can list the fight. It is honestly, it's James the Gale against the loser of Eubank Groves, and then James the Gale against the winner of Eubank Groves, and then whatever's left fighting each other. Fury Joshua, Joshua Wilder, Lomachenko Rigandau two. Let's see it again because look, I know the fight hasn't happened yet, but what else is there for even that's as good as that? Liam Cameron. Against Jason Wilborn. Just a fight. That I... Yeah, just do it. Look, yeah, just make fights happen, man. Nah, why not? I mean, Johnny Garton versus John O'Donnell. I want to see that. Yeah. Danny yeah. Connor. I just want to see Danny Connor anywhere next uh, year. I heard John, Danny Connor's name getting thrown about for someone last night. I can't remember Danny Kennedy? Nope. Um, it'll come to me and I'll tell you later. Right, okay, that's enough. I'm finished now. No, no, I do, I do, I do. Just so, no, no, yeah, yeah. Look, look. We were understand. Were you Johnny you're and up when we were doing that? <laughs> no. Are you sure? Thank you very much for listening this week, ladies and gentlemen. I, I think we can all. I think we can all agree that the, the team is back. People yeah. doubted us. And we got we the live show in two weeks. Two weeks tomorrow. Yeah, that's that's mind-bogglingly staggering. Awesome. And, and then tonight was a statement of what's what's to what's come. What's to come? Yeah. Be ready. Share. Show yeah. love. Great. One more, just a quick one. Big shout out to Young Anel Massey. She's back in the gym now. Um, we all talk about female boxers and women who could take it over the top. Nell's a good one out of the Rumbles camp. So, Nana, good to see her back. I know she had a bit of a wobble spiritually, but, you know, she realizes this is a sport for her. Other end of the career spectrum, shout out to Chris Hobbs, who retired after losing his English oh, light heavyweight title fight. His shoulder dislocated again late on in the fight about oh. round eight. Uh, English light heavyweight title fight. He had to have his uh, corner throw the towel in. He'd have kept going. We saw Chris Hobbs against Anthony Yarde down at the Copper Box. Then we chatted to him after, Andy. And yeah. uh, lovely bloke, Chris Hobbs, army servant, still in the army. 
he's achieved so much. He beat Jordan Joseph for the Southern Area title. Lovely man, family man. Um, and he's decided now's the time to retire. And I wish him Sensible. all the best. With Good that. luck to him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just a quick shout Right, and that's it. And I'm off to <clears throat> have fun. They call me Mr. Bombastic, semi-fantastic. Right. Touch me on Thank you very much for getting in touch on Twitter. Ooh, at New Age Boxing UK, at The Seven Wolves, and at New Age Podfather. That's enough, I'm out. Go read the David Hay special. And like four parts so far, we're halfway through. It's as critical as anyone's ever been, I Maybe think. Maybe she can do it while Andy's on top. Uh, like, bye, everybody. <laughs> bye. <laughs> Yours. Paris was good. Well, the, see, this is the thing. As yours, what Andy. I was expecting. I didn't want to ask you because I knew you'd palm me off with, ah, not too much, just looking after the kids. How was yours, Andy? <laughs> with a knowing, probing question. It was fine. Brilliant. Was it? Okay. Non eventful. Non eventful. That's good. Yeah. We like that. Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. she like? <laughs> <laughs> That's her name. She's Iranian. Non eventful. <laughs> is she going to listen? We need another listener. No. <laughs> I no. thought that's why you go Double on dates. <laughs> she spread the word. She's not going to listen. No, no, she. I, I have no idea. That's why Probably you said she was shit in bed anyway. She'll, she'll, yeah. <laughs> you, 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 listen, when you're editing this, you'd have to hear it all anyway. So, <laughs> whatever plans you had, made they're fucked now. Uh, like, I could, I can edit it so that it just goes. How your, how was your weekend, Andy? Skip. Not Onto the boxing. Skip. Okay. Onto the boxing. So, so how many times do we have to make reference to your weekend in this whole podcast? Because yeah, right. we know you miss edit points sometimes. Uh, <laughs> running theme. <laughs> running theme. Uh, okay, let's move on. Onto the boxing. The gang is back. Fingered her in the car. Whatever. Listen. <laughs> we've, got, we've, got, we've got to shut the music down for a second, guys. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. Whatever other podcasts you listen to, and congratulations to the people putting product out there. Great. The big boys are back. Remember are we discussing that? Andy's sex life? I love the fact that he chooses to go that serious note straight after the point you just made, which I won't repeat. <laughs> yeah, perfect timing. As tone deaf as always. Do you know what? Feminists would love podcast. us. We should actually start sharing this podcast with feminists. Yeah, let's start tagging them in. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> oh, That'd be awesome. Please Vegans don't. and feminists. Can you, imagine, can you imagine outside your house going fucking back? Vegans and feminists. Because, I mean, similar to your weekend, they love eating meat, didn't they? So, <laughs> as per your date. <laughs> Vegans and uh, feminists. Uh, Edit that out, motherfucker. <laughs> and if you eat yogurt... <laughs> What? Anyway. This is breaking me. Uh, <laughs> uh, how long were you? Standing outside your house. You mean up leaning at the house and start going, What? What's wrong? You're on your periods. Go out to Andy's house or something. <laughs> like, have them burning, burning my house down. <laughs>
Because you're always on Twitter. I'll go on Twitter and I have a hundred notifications. You seem to be going on. Angry feminist. Tagging me into everything. We don't say this, but <laughs> at No Age Boxing Podfather says, and then cue the anti- Just Lily Allen kicking off for you. I'll be brilliant. Right, let's talk boxing. <laughs>